Hi, I'm Sarah. I have an awesome husband and three amazing stepdaughters. Marriage and parenting is already a juggling act, and blended family relationships are even more messy and fragile. We won't always get it right the first time, but if you're looking for encouragement, you're in the right place. Thanks for joining us as we grow closer as step families. Welcome to His Kids, Her Kids, Episode 1, To Air is Human. I can't tell you how excited I am about the launch of this podcast. I want you to know that the podcast also has a website, www.hiskidsherkids.com. With each podcast, there will be episode notes, links to specific resources on the topics that I address in the podcast, opportunities to contact us and give us feedback, ask questions, and just be part of the His Kids, Her Kids stepfamily community. I hope you'll take advantage of the resource. And now let's begin. To air is human. You know, I don't know if anyone's told you this, but we have a really tough job as step-parents. These children have been developing their relationships with their parents since before they were even born. And now we meet them at whatever age they are, and they have that many years of knowing what to expect from their parents. And there's just no way that we can compete with that. We don't know what they're used to. We don't know their favorite t-shirt. It doesn't take long before you can start feeling like there's just no way you can do anything right. You definitely can't do it right the first time. Whether it's the jewelry I pick out, the way I cut an apple, the music that I play in the car, it is entirely unfamiliar to them. When I think about what that has to be like, it's easy to have a lot of compassion. I remember when I was six going to a friend's house and just being amazed at the oatmeal that the mom made. And when my parents picked me up, I was like, give them the recipe for the oatmeal. And she was kind of embarrassed. She was like, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I don't do anything special to my oatmeal. After a little bit more probing, because I insisted that this oatmeal was unlike any oatmeal I had ever tasted, uh, it turns out she used quick oats. And my parents had always used old-fashioned oats. When I think about what an impression that made on me at that age, such a simple difference. There's no way that everything I do, how it's not going to land on my stepkids like I'm an alien from Mars. Whoever said that parenting is a thankless job needs to try being a step-parent. You're not measured by the same standard as a parent. Children will forgive their parents for so much and leave you feeling like you can't do anything right. So your stepkids your spouse, and sometimes it can feel like even society is set against you, set against you succeeding in your relationship with your stepkids because you're not their parent. So rather than feel like we've already failed before we've even begun, I'd like to encourage you to turn the tables on this negative message. And instead of feeling like you need to compete with the image of the hero parent, that your spouse is so naturally, see it as a huge opportunity to be very human with your stepkids. What are some steps we can take to foster that culture in our family of acceptance, encouragement, and understanding that nobody is going to get it right the first time? 
Well, one way is to tell your stepkids stories about when you were a child. This communicates the message that Mr. Rogers said so well, you were once a child too. I might not have come into this family with parenting experience, but I did come into this family with a lot of experience of being a child. I want my stepkids to learn from mistakes that I made when I was a kid and a young person. And by being open and honest about mistakes that I made then and now, I'm communicating to my stepkids that I am loved and accepted even when I stumble, and so are they. I remember when my husband and I were first dating, we went hiking with other families, and the girls were asking him, Hey, Dad, tell us a story. Tell us about when you were a kid and you were bad. I don't know if they were trying to embarrass him in front of me, but they were definitely succeeding. He was like, ah, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna do that. I don't think I wanna tell tell those stories today. I've since heard those stories and they're not so bad. But I stepped up and uh, and said, Would you like to hear a story from from my childhood when I was bad? Yes, please. They were ecstatic. So I said, When I was 12, I was invited on a family vacation with my best friend's family. This was a brand new experience for me, and I felt so honored and grateful. We were joined by another family that had sons, and those sons were playmates with my best friend's older brother, and I was her companion, and then there were her younger sisters. Early on in the vacation, my best friend brought up the idea of pranking the boys. This was an entirely new concept for me. I had literally never heard of any of this before. She said, oh yeah, it's so cool. You get shaving cream and a feather and you put the shaving cream in one of their hands while they're sleeping and then you tickle their face with the feather and then in their sleep, they go to scratch their nose and they get shaving cream all over their own face. It's hilarious. I didn't exactly get the point, but I was sold. Sounds like fun. We were looking for a feather, and she actually brought up the idea to the mom of the other family. Not her mom, but the mom of the other family that was there with us. And she said, well, if you're going to prank the boys, you need to be prepared for them to prank you back. Now, this was also a new concept to me, and I thought, what would they do to prank us back? Is this a good idea? But my friend wasn't concerned about it, so I followed suit. That night, we went to bed, and we swore we weren't going to fall asleep. We were going to stay awake until everyone else was in bed and fast asleep before we tiptoed out of bed to accomplish our prank. Well, that didn't happen. Next morning, we compared notes and swore that that night was going to be the night. We also failed to stay awake that night. The next night, I remember going to bed thinking, this is my last chance. If I don't prank tonight, I am never going to experience this for the rest of my life. It's now or never. Well, we also failed to stay awake that night. But lo and behold, I woke up in the middle of the night and it was dark and quiet. I was wide awake instantly with the rush of the excitement that we were going to finally do it. We were going to do the pranking that we had been planning all vacation weekend. And I woke up my friend. 
she wasn't into it anymore. She's like, I'm asleep. I'm ready to stay asleep. Like, we're just not going to do it. I took a deep breath and forged ahead all alone. I grabbed the shaving cream and we couldn't find a feather, so tissues, and tiptoed out to the front porch where the three boys were sleeping in sleeping bags on cots. I was not prepared for how cold it was. Instantly, my teeth started chattering. I was shivering. I'm out there without even shoes on or socks. I approached one of the the sleeping bag and it was so dark. I wasn't prepared for how dark the mountains are without street lights, neighboring lights. It probably didn't even have a moon that night. It was so dark. I had a vague idea of where the head was, you know, in the sleeping bag, and I felt gingerly around for a hand to put the shaving cream in. But it was so cold, there weren't any hands available. And even at that age, I decided I'm not going to put my hand in their sleeping bag to try to find their hand for the shaving cream. And since I didn't really understand what the point of putting the shaving cream in their palm really was, I decided... Man, it is cold out here. I'm just going to cut to the chase and put the shaving cream right on their face. Why not? So I positioned the shaving cream can and pressed down. Now, I grew up with my dad shaving, so I thought I had an idea of what to expect. But rather than hearing that characteristic shh of the shaving cream coming out of the can, I heard nothing. And it was a quiet night, so I definitely felt like something was wrong here. I had a faulty shaving cream can. So I shook the can and tried again. Shook the can and tried again. Nothing. When all of a sudden, something slapped against my face and began to sting my eyes incredibly. I screamed. Next thing I knew, parents were there, lights were on, and I realized what had happened. The shaving cream was a cologne shaving cream, and it had indeed been coming out of the can. There was shaving cream everywhere. Apparently, the poor boy had woken up with his airways blocked and had tried to scrape the shaving cream off of his face and just flung it away from him. It was so dark, I'm sure he didn't have any idea what was going on either. Well, not even seeing the shaving cream coming at me, the shaving cream landed on my open eyes and was stinging and super painful. I ran to the bathroom and rinsing my eyes out with cold water. The parents, upon realizing what was going on, said, clean this up, go to bed. And I'm looking in the mirror, seeing my bloodshot eyes, scared from my vision and my health, and feeling horrible. I felt like I'd been caught. Like, now the parents think I'm some horrible little troublemaker, And I thought I was participating in good, clean fun that we even talked to the other mom about. I didn't know what to do to make things right. The next morning, I didn't get a lecture. Nobody really talked about it. But I was never invited back. And I always will wonder if it was because of the prank. So needless to say, the girls loved the story, and they still love hearing any story that I will share with them about mistakes that I made when I was a kid and the lessons I learned from them. 
Now, you might not have as cool of a story as I do about pranking a kid while on their family vacation, but I bet you have stories about when you were a kid and you made mistakes, mistakes that you wouldn't make again if you had the chance to do it over. Tell those stories to your stepkids. I think they're going to love it as much as my stepkids love my stories. In fact, they love that story and the other stories I've shared since so much that we even have a special name for them in our house. They are Sarah stories. Another way that we can grow in humility in our relationship with our stepkids is asking for feedback. I find the biggest opportunity for this in food preparation. Every time I make a new recipe, I make sure to announce to everyone before we eat that this was a first attempt and I want to hear what they think about this meal so that I can do it better the next time. Not taking it personally when you hear that your stepkids have a strong affinity for a certain brand of yogurt or a certain way that a dish is prepared goes a long way towards communicating how much you care about their feelings and preferences. Another opportunity to ask for feedback is in regard to social situations. As you're meeting their friends or introducing them to people, asking them afterwards, how did that go? You know, when I had to introduce you to to this person and I called you my stepson or my daughter, it was awkward for me. I wasn't sure if you would rather me say one or the other, and I don't want the other person to think I'm pushing you away emotionally by calling you my stepchild, and I don't want you to think that I'm trying to be something I'm not or trying to replace your parent by calling you my son or my daughter. So tell me, what did that feel like for you? Really listening to what your stepkids say and applying the feedback the next time is huge. I would also encourage you to make it a practice to find opportunities for your stepkids to teach you a thing or two. Now, what is she talking about, you might say? What does my stepkid have to teach me? Well, believe me, before I met my stepkids, I had never heard of Perry Grip. Your stepkids have a lot that they can teach you or show you, whether that's the latest game they love to play, a craft they know how to do, the latest dance move with the kids, or giving them the chance to be the leader and follow the leader. Giving your stepkids the chance to be the teacher is an example of something psychologists call matching behaviors. And Karen Purvis talks about this in her book, The Connected Child. I'm going to be mentioning this some more in future podcasts, but I'm going to go ahead and earmark it here. If you're interested, do some of your own research on matching behaviors. Finally, I want to talk about apologizing and making amends. Think of it like every interaction you have with your stepchild is either a deposit or a withdrawal from your trust account with them. And you don't get to be the one to decide whether that engagement was a deposit or a withdrawal. Anytime you get the feeling that what just happened is coming across to your stepchild as a withdrawal is a huge opportunity 
for you to reach out and apologize. This doesn't have to mean that you did something wrong, like anyone would know that you shouldn't have done it that way. It can be something very little, something that you know you wouldn't even say was wrong per se, as much as if I had the chance to do it again, knowing what I know now, I would have done it differently. Not only will this improve your relationship with your stepkids, it might even make your relationship with your stepkids. How many times did an adult apologize to you when you were a kid? Unfortunately, I'm guessing it probably wasn't very often. I'm the oldest of a large family, so one of my mom's favorite sayings to me when it came to interaction with my siblings was, Sarah, be the big kid. And this wasn't pleasant to hear, but I knew that it was true. As the oldest, it was up to me to take the larger share of the responsibility of the relationship. And I can absolutely relate that to being a step-parent now. It's not the child's job to make sure that we have a good relationship. That is squarely on my shoulders. The first time that I ever experienced the power of making amends was when I was still pretty young as a professional. When leaving for work that morning, I realized when I was a good distance away from home that I had left my phone and didn't have my phone with me. It wasn't something I did often, but I didn't see it as necessary to turn around and go back for it. Well, later that day, I was significantly late for a meeting to represent a client and I didn't even have my phone to make a phone call to let them know that I was running late, but I was on my way. I ended up showing up 45 minutes late and was absolutely embarrassed. I didn't even want to walk into the conference room. I wanted to turn around, never show my face again. But a coworker of mine was in there waiting for me, so I didn't really feel like I had a choice. I walk in, I handle the situation, but the real challenge was going to be going back to my client and apologizing for the way I represented them in that meeting. I went straight to their office, told them what happened, and did something I had never done before. I said, what can I do to make this right? I will do whatever it takes. And I was completely prepared for them to say, how about we don't pay you for this day? How about you take this account that nobody wants? All kinds of things that I really would rather have avoided. But I felt so bad for what I had done that all I wanted was to be able to sleep that night and not feel like I was swimming in shame and misery. It was a really good experience. I left knowing that things were good between us. And I didn't have to keep on apologizing and trying to find some way to prove myself professionally. Making things right with our stepkids might not be as obvious as replacing the window that you broke, but it can be as simple as doing something with them that they want to do. Playing video games, watching a show they want to introduce you to, or letting them pick the board game. Regardless, you're communicating that you don't just care about getting this awkward conversation over with. You care about your relationship with them. And you're going to take the necessary steps to go above and beyond 
to make sure they hear that message. I look forward to hearing from you as you share how the ideas in today's podcast made a difference in your family. Until next time, keep growing and take good care.